Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. Today's episode is with Sammy Sage, one of the founders of Betches. If you guys haven't heard of Betches, you're obviously living under a rock, and I'm curious how that's going. But if you uh, know Betches, you know that it is like the most amazing kind of conglomerate for all things women and all the things women go through. They have tons of various podcasts under their umbrella and it's just really amazing. It's like a revolution and I am so grateful to have been able to interview Sammy and I'm really excited for you guys to hear everything that we discussed today. There was a lot covered. Before we get into that, I'm going to answer a few of your questions and then we'll get right into it. Also, I hope everyone had a really nice Christmas. If you celebrate or just, you know, did something festive with your holiday, if you don't, or just, you know, had have had a good few days so far. The holidays are tough and you see everyone like traveling on social media and you're like comparative and it's just it's easy to feel shitty about yourself, but you have no idea what people are going through. Instagram is a highlight reel. None of it is real life. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've idolized a person or a couple only to find out something completely different about them. So please keep that in mind and keep your eyes on your own paper. Somebody asked, should your partner be the best sex you've ever had? Such a great question. And I feel like we've talked about this before, but I think everyone's instinct is to be like, no, it's always like that toxic person. You know, we went back and forth and they broke my heart and I broke their heart or whatever. But the sex, the sex was amazing. No, that's not true, actually. I mean, yes. Was there someone toxic in my life that the sex was amazing with? Sure. Maybe. Was there someone toxic in your life that the sex was amazing with? Maybe in my fiance's life? Sure. Possibly. But I think that when you have a partner who's, you know, you're in a partnership and sex is part of that partnership and you work on it and you work at it, it's like a relationship. Sex is part of it. And sex is a relationship within a relationship. And if you're not working on your relationship with sex, with your partner, then nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. But if you are, then it absolutely should be the best sex you've ever had. But that doesn't happen right away. It's not like you start dating them and everything's perfect and the sex is the best you've ever had and then you marry them. 
No. Maybe the sex is like fine at first and everything else is amazing. Maybe the sex is great at first and everything else needs to be worked on. But from my experience, the sex that I have with my significant other has only grown based off us knowing each other and knowing what each other likes. And that I think is the goal. And right now where our sex is at, yeah, I would say it is the best I've ever had because of every other factor that comes into it too, you know? So I think you should strive for that. There's no reason not to. Don't settle for like bad sex, but like good guy. We don't like that. Somebody asked about my Saturn return learnings. It's so funny. Like I feel like I'm always talking about Saturn return with you guys because it's like someone broke the seal on Saturn return and now everyone's just talking about it all the time and it's amazing. To reiterate, a Saturn return is usually from ages 27 to 31. I think for guys, it's a little later. And it's about lessons. It's about learning. It's about like exiting out of your current situation and into something bigger, something better, something more beautiful in, in my experience. Like I always say, you know, when I started my Saturn return, I hadn't started this podcast. I wasn't sober. I hadn't built anything that I have today. I hadn't really done the work on myself. I was going through the motion seeing a therapist, but nothing was changing. So I really think that you do learn different lessons. My learnings were that, you know, who was important in my life, who was like real to me as a friend, like the way I want to live. Like, I don't want to live like getting high every day and escaping my emotions and just, you know, being miserable. I, I want to really live my life. I want to live every second of it. I want to be present for it. So being sober, I want to do what I love. So doing this, talking to you, that's a huge learning of my Saturn return. I want to show up for people more. So that is, you know, another thing that I've worked on a lot. And I think all of that, combined, like finding out what serves you and, you know, working out. I never worked out before I was 27 ever. That was something that came with my Saturn return, this want and desire to move my body and to have better mental health as a result. So all of that has been learnings. Etiquette for the first few sleepovers. First few sleepovers, I don't think you have a toothbrush there yet, but if you're very hygienic, like I am when it comes to brushing your teeth. I don't shower that much, but I am when it comes to brushing your teeth. I would say it's important to either buy yourself a toothbrush if you know you're going to be sleeping over often or they buy you a toothbrush. That's the op- that's the goal is they buy you a toothbrush because you deserve that toothbrush. And also because it's like helpful to both of you. Like get me a toothbrush so that my breath doesn't smell and get you a toothbrush for the same. So toothbrush, probably necessary. I would say other few, like first few sleepovers etiquette. I mean, if you really like this this person, you're going to be like talking all night and like not able to sleep, which is so cute. I mean, it depends on your age. Like if you get older, you might be really tired, but talking a lot and like really enjoying each other. I think morning sex is, is a must if you're into that that you don't have to be. And then if you're like, I think regardless, since it's the first few sleepovers, you don't linger in the morning. Like you get out there, you go do your stuff, you go take a poop if that's your morning routine. But like lingering is just not cute. So whoever's sleeping at who's like, even if it's a guy sleeping at yours, I don't want him to linger either. 
And I don't want you to linger at his. Like, I don't want lingering. Just have your sleepover, enjoy what happened and go about your day. And if you're the girl in a hetero situation, don't text them. They'll text you. You just left their house or they just left yours. They're thinking of you. Let them let them think of you. I remember my fiance would leave like, you know, he wouldn't linger. And then I wouldn't hear from him for like three, four hours after that. And I was like, it's so weird. And then now that I know him, I know exactly what he's doing. He went right back to bed. He went right back to bed because I wake up so much earlier than him and he wanted to sleep more. So he would go home. He would get a bagel on his way home. He would eat a bagel. He probably, you know, took his morning poop. And then he slept for like four hours every like weekend to sleepover we had, which is just so him. But I was like so in my head about it. Dating rule exceptions. Does the three day in advance of a date rule count if they work in banking? Okay. No, because then their schedule is like so on a whim that you kind of have to like take what you can get. But at the same time, like you stay busy too. You keep doing your thing, you know? But I would say like if they're if they're a new iBanker, then like, no, they definitely have no control over their schedule. That's the only exception. Okay, other exceptions. Always offer to pay. The exception to this is that if they ask you to stop offering. If they ask you to stop offering, there's no reason to continue to offer. Or if you're in a serious relationship at that point, you know who's paying for what. Don't text them thank you after the first date. No exceptions to that. Sorry. Don't forget to ask a question back when texting. You need to give them something to work with. Don't let the conversation die. No exception to this unless like you're really busy and you don't have a chance to. Then like you can ask them something later. But just don't seem selfish by not asking them how they are if they ask you how you are. No sex on the first date or really until the fifth or sixth or after that. Don't do third sex date. It's predictable. The only exception to this is if you don't care where it's going and you're horny and you just want to have sex. No more than two drinks on the first few dates. If you're the opposite of a lightweight and like you're a tank and you can just like house like three or four drinks without feeling anything, then go for it. I just like don't think it's cute. Don't put all your eggs in one basket, especially when you start to like them. The only exception to this is if there's literally no other option for you. Like you've tried and there's nothing else, but don't make it seem like they're the only option. And we talk about this with Sammy actually at the end of this date, this this date, this episode. Don't ask them what they're looking for. Most men don't know until they find it. No exception to this. Don't do it. You can say like, what have you been dating in the past? Don't ask, what are we? No exception to this. You can have different conversations around it. You can say like, I am really enjoying what's going on here. Just like, it's really, I'm really enjoying getting to know you. Then see what they say back. Show up to the date in a good mood. Only exception here is if you're in such a bad mood that you cannot fathom it, but you can at least joke about it with this person. You can be the one to ask the guy out, then let them take it from there. There's no exceptions because that's basically already an exception. Don't accept a date day of or even three days in advance. So we just talked about this. And don't stay on the date for over two to three hours. The only exception to this is if you're at an event that lasts more than two or three hours, like a Nick game or a comedy show. And then you have dinner after. But don't go to like the next thing after the date, you know? Let the man say, I love you first. No exceptions to this, in my opinion. Don't date them for more than three months if they haven't made things official. I think the only exception to this is if you're like much younger and sometimes guys just move slower. 
If they don't confirm by 2 p.m. that day, then you made other plans. I, the only exception to this is a few more hours, but don't let it go past 4 p.m. And don't buy them gifts before official. No exception to this at all. At all. Like really. Don't initiate dates until official unless you have a good idea for one. So that's the exception. If it's a really good idea, if someone's performing that you guys talked about, let them initiate more texts than you do. If you want to be really extreme, don't initiate any texts. Um, no exceptions to this. Really, like you don't want to be the one pursuing them unless that's really what you want, in which case go for it. I'm really excited for you to hear this episode with Sammy and I hope you love it. I love when I hear about a product on a podcast. I really do because I feel like it's like the first... Like it, it goes right into your ears, you know? Like it really gets in there. But there's nothing like a friend endorsing a product or saying they love something that really gets me onto it like just right away almost because I always trust my friends. And I went to dinner the other night with a friend of mine who's getting more into you know health and working out and she wouldn't stop talking about athletic greens. And I was like, what is this? And she was like, every single day I make a smoothie with athletic greens. And it's basically, it's like, it's a multivitamin, which is so amazing, but it tastes delicious. It is a climate neutral certified company. So really good for the environment, which we love. And it was created because the founder had like a ton of gut health issues and ended up on this like really complicated supplement routine, which cost him like a hundred dollars a day which is so awful. And so he created Athletic Greens after experiencing how difficult it was to kind of like figure out nutrition on your own without spending so much money, but still being really good to your immune system and giving yourself all the vitamins that you need to, you know, live healthy and just feel really good. So if you haven't heard of Athletic Greens, I highly suggest highly, highly suggest that you check it out because you literally just take one scoop of Athletic Greens and you add a little water and it's this delicious smoothie type of drink, right? And you're absorbing 75, 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right. So I used to take probiotics every single day and that was all I took. But when I, now that I'm like onto my athletic greens routine, it's so much better because it's a blend of everything, like everything that you need. This special blend of ingredients that I just mentioned, it supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, like all the things. I highly, highly suggest you try it. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase, which is perfect for the holidays because lots of you are traveling. All you have to do is go to athleticgreens.com slash Acme. That's athleticgreens.com slash Acme to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I'm not going to lie to you. I am not so good about using sustainable products all the time. Like I just, when I'm at the grocery store, I get what I know. And it's so hard to step out of that and to actually go out of your way to find a product that's really good. And also it's not usually accessible at like a CVS, which is why so many people don't know about it. 
So that's why I'm so excited to tell you about my experience with Blue Land. If you are cleaning anything ever, if you've ever cleaned before, I'm sure that you have used products that are not eco-friendly, that are not sustainable. And you never thought about it because that's just what we know. But an estimated 5 billion plastic hand soap and cleaning bottles are thrown away each year. And we did a a poll the other day and I was like, do you use soap or liquid soap? And so many people use liquid soap. And I know for a fact they're using it from a plastic bottle. But Blue Land is a refill cleaning system. So it was founded on the belief that a cleaner planet starts at home. You buy the bottle once and you refill it forever, which is amazing. Also, the bottles are like really Instagrammable. They have great scents like agave, lemon, lavender, eucalyptus. And they have really cool, like these collection of really cool hand soaps that they made with Disney. So like, that's pretty sick. We use Blue Land for our laundry. We use it for our dishwasher. We use it for our soap. And I'm really telling you, it's great. Like there's no difference in the product. It's just that you know that you're doing something better for the world. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash Acme. That's 15% off your first order of any products Blue Land orders at blueland.com slash Acme. Blueland.com slash Acme. Check it out. I bet you'll end up spending less than you do for store-bought items that are not good for the environment and you're going to love it. Hi, I'm Shanae Alexander, host of Press Send, a podcast and more importantly, a safe and hilarious place for candid conversations about the scary, funny, heartbreaking, but always intriguing questions that make us all human. Each week, me and a new best friend you haven't met yet field your questions across any and all topics and offer our take on the matter with plenty of humor, heart, and badassery along the way. We launch a new episode of Press Send every Wednesday. We'll see you there. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with Sammy Sage, co-founder of Betches. Hello, I am thrilled to be here. We have feel like we have so much we could talk about. So much. Like, I don't even know where to start. Our listeners were like, oh my God, the collab that I needed. Like, they love you. Um, Thank you. So we're going to talk all about all the things. But before we get into it, for anyone who doesn't know you, how old are you and where are you from? I'm 32. I'm originally from Long Island. If you Hopefully you can't tell that off the bat. I actually couldn't tell at all. I swear to God. Thank you. I really tried to just not have my accent be so bad, but sometimes it comes back when I'm maybe a little bit flustered and I just can't stop saying like between every word. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm working on it. So originally from Long Island, uh, Roslyn specifically, and that's actually the reason I mentioned that specifically is because I grew up with my co-founders at Betches and we've just been friends since like child age. I love that. Also, like, it's really hard to maintain that, like, childhood friendship because you grow so much. Like, I feel like most of my friends, like, my closer friends are college, but, like, I still love and I'm close with my high school friends. But, like, you guys must have really stayed in touch really well. Well, we actually all went to college together. So all three of us went to Cornell, not on purpose. Like, it wasn't like, oh, we're three of us going to apply together. We all just— went to the same high school. You're all just really smart. You were, we're okay. <laughs> also, the, to be honest, the school, you know, let in a lot of people. Cornell let in a lot of people from our town. Yeah. So we knew we had a lot of friends from Roslyn who went to Cornell with us. 
And basically, we stayed friends. You know, I lived with Jordana two years. And then the th- one of those years, the three of us all lived together. And that's when we started Betches. And it was basically, it is weird because we've known each other so long. But post-college, sort of our college and high school friends, like, combined a bit. Mm-hmm. So now it's all sort of very meshed in together. And then, I mean, I just feel like our relationships have evolved so much. And I feel like it's somewhat miraculous that we've been able to maintain a business and a friendship. Totally. Even though we have all sort of grown into different people. It's it's wild. Okay. And then tell me, what is your current relationship status? I'm married. I've been married for a bit over a year. We were supposed to get married right before COVID. Basically, we're supposed to get married in April of 2020. So we got married during COVID. We did like a little COVID wedding. And yeah, I mean, we're just sort of embarking on, you know, that early couple life. It's it's like still newlywed. You yeah, know? totally. And I am a kind of a stalker, so I know your sign and his sign. I, I, tell me oh, if I'm yes. correct. You're an Aries. Yes. And he's a Libra. Yes. Which are opposite signs. I know. I have always had like a connection with Libras. Mm-hmm. I just find it to be like an agreeable sign for me. Yes. Like I don't, you know, it's just so easy. And yeah, I think he— we compliment each other a lot. You and, do. Yeah. You do. So I'm yeah. a Libra. So all my yes. friends are Aries. Like it's such yeah. it's such a good energy. Um, but I think we all want to know how did you meet Avi? Oh, we have quite a story. And it really goes back and there's many questions here. So at one point in my twenties, I went I was twenty-four, I guess, and I went to Israel. And basically in that phase, I was like a practicing Orthodox Jew. I mean, Stop. not what you picture when, like, you picture, like, a guy in Payas and whatever. So, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. none of that was, like, ever who I was. But I was in Israel, and then I would, like, keep Shabbat and keep kosher. when I ca- And I went to Israel for nine months. And when I came back, I was kind of like, I don't know how this is going to, like, work. Like, <laughs> I don't really, like, you know, it was kind of like a fantasy lost discovery sort of phase. Mm-hmm. But obviously it has its, you know, really nice things about it, like Shabbat. So— that's actually, I met him because a friend of mine knew his parents and brought me to a Shabbat dinner at his house. And we just sort of like connected, but that wasn't—here's the thing. I didn't realize that he was not religious, like that he wasn't like really keeping Shabbat because I met him at his family's house. Like that wasn't going to be apparent. But I was sort of like on the down and not really wanting to like do it anymore, but I didn't think— Oh, I could date this guy. He also is like four and a half years younger than me. Oh, wow. He remains four and a half years younger than me. Yeah. I mean, he's very mature for his age and for a lot of reasons I could get into. But yeah. So I just thought, you know, oh, this there's like cute kid, but this isn't going to ever be a thing. But we kind of like chatted and then I th- she brought me back again at another point. And then we started like, talking. At one point, we got each other's like numbers or emails for something. And then it just sort of like happened. You know, we hung out. There was one time we hung out and like we ended up going like to a bar until like two in the morning. And then that was nothing even like happened sexually. But then maybe like six months after that, we, you know, kind of had texted occasionally. And like at one point we were like, do you want to just like hang out? 
And we did. And that ended up, we ended up spending like the whole weekend together. And like, that was obviously just like a hookup and fun. But how old were you then? I was 20, I'm 27. Okay. Um, I was like about to turn 28, I think. So he was 24 yeah. at the time? Yeah. Uh-huh. So, but when I had met him, I he was like 21 and I was like 20, I guess he was, like, I was like 25 or 26. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to like remember the months and like what I was each. I could think about it, but yeah, like it was, so he had like kind of like become more like, you know, had like a stable job. And, you know, I remember like when I met him, he was interning. So yeah, it just sort of like happened. And then he really like was like, I'm not looking for a relationship like early on. And I kind of knew that when we had like hooked up, but we just kind of like kept, we would hang out every weekend and spend like a lot of time together. And then at like the five month mark, I basically was like, so are we in a relationship? And he was like a little hesitant. And then I basically, I said like, well, this is a relationship. And if like, you don't want it to like officially be one, then like, I don't want to, I don't really want to do it anymore. And he was like, he then immediately, like, I could see him like considering like, oh, I throwing away his like, I don't want to be in a relationship. Right. And yeah, and that was basically how it started. So that's wild because I feel yeah. like it goes against like all odds it that does. like we're ever taught or told. It goes against every piece of dating advice, except, or I don't know if it really does, except the advice that it's like at one point you have to say what you want. Yes. Or and like know that you will walk away if you don't get the answer you want. Exactly. That was like, and I remember that one moment because like I was not a good dater. I like barely got dates off the apps, which could analyze that. But I was so not good at like dating at all. I was not, I didn't enjoy it. But that was one thing that I was like, okay, I know that I can't continue this if it's not going to go somewhere at this point. Right. I also think like, it sounds like the way that you started with him, you were like, this guy's younger. I'm not taking him seriously. And I think that played in your favor because you weren't going into it being like, I'm going to make this younger guy like grow up fast and want to be my boyfriend. And then my husband, like there was no idea of that. It was just like, we're having fun. We're hanging out. We're enjoying this. And now I need to know like what the deal is. I like, it's interesting that you, it was five months because I would be like three months, like what the hell is happening? But I think, I think even if you had said it two months prior, he still probably would have had the same reaction because it sounds like obviously the feelings were there. Yeah. I mean, what I think is that he, I mean, he grew up religious. So he was also like, you know, he had not been religious for a few years, but he was still, you know, getting sort of like coming into his own. Like that takes a long time to like really figure out like, okay, who am I going to be in this world that is very different from where I grew up? The people have a different rhythm of life. And I think that, yeah, I think he didn't play the game the way like the typical guys play the game. He wasn't trying to avoid having a girlfriend. I think it was more that he was just like, I don't have any intention to have one. Right. But I also think it played in my favor because Part of the reason I think I had so much trouble dating was that I was so anxious about being in a couple. Mm. Like, all I wanted, like, I did not find dating to be fun. I also had, like, so many body things that just made me so feel really insecure at the time. And now I look back on that, I'm like, you looked so good. (laughs) (laughs) Always, every time we look back. So I think it was that I was, like, more loose because I didn't, 
have extremely high stakes for it. And mm-hmm. all the times that I had, you know, gone out or dated people, I would always just feel like a certain intensity that I think probably like red on my face or my expressions or whatever it is. And, you know, that just didn't, I think that probably didn't serve me because I wasn't as relaxed going into it. Yeah. There's also people that like aren't meant to online date, you know, Mm -hmm. like there are people that are just like almost like disastrous dating app profiles because they have no idea what they're doing and like they don't present well, but then you meet them in person and you're like, wow, this person's really great. Right. And like that, that's a real thing. Like not every single person should be on the dating apps. I mean, it helps, but like it's like, obviously you guys met in person for a reason. And I I love that. I think it's a good exercise in putting yourself out there and in like assessing who do I want to portray myself as? Mm. I think there are like certain things that you get out of doing that that feel really can can feel really intimidating at the time you're doing them. But I look back on that and I'm like, oh, I had to work that out. And it was long and it sucked. But there was, I just had to work through stuff. Yeah. And you talk about that stuff very openly all the time, which I think yeah. people really admire about you. Thank you. What was some of the like, you know, body stuff that you were going through? And are you still feeling like you're in that mind? So I've, I've had like a huge evolution here. I was, one, you know, growing up, I was like a chubbier girl, like a bigger, taller girl. And I always mm-hmm. felt just like very giant. How tall are you? I'm 5'6 now. But okay. I was like, you know. You were taller then? No, I wasn't taller then, but like 5'6 was taller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Relative. Of course. You yeah. got tall quickly. I Yes. I felt like I was like this giant person. And I, you know, I went to Weight Watchers at 12. And I think— and On your own accord? No, or? with my mom and okay. like our friends. We had like mother-daughter Weight Watchers oh, meetings. Like, yeah. So, I mean, my mom has the same exact, like, body journey as I do, Mm -hmm. essentially, up until now I sort of deviated from it. So there was no, like, blame on your mom for, like, the Weight Watchers things? No. I mean, I had a lot of blame on my mom for other things in in our childhood, but those I've also really worked through. My mom and I have an amazing relationship now. But that is not, is, like, the least of my blame for her. But... Yeah, so I was always like that yo-yo dieter, gain weight, lose weight, gain weight, lose weight. And then I I don't know at what point I really like developed an unhealthy relationship with like counting calories. Hmm. I think it was probably in college like that it became a, an obsession and became unhealthy and I basically counted calories like with very few breaks from like freshman year of of college through my wedding or like through the pandemic. Honestly, it was like the pandemic that I stopped. Was there a specific Um, diet that you were using or like it was just the counting? No, it was just always counting calories. I had an app and I would just log everything I ate and my exercise and it eventually like didn't work. But I look back at the photos and I'm like, what weight did I think I needed to lose? Like, where is it? Like, I just am so, like, and then I, now I'm realizing that's like a symptom of body dysmorphia. And like, it is, it's more disordered than I had like ever accepted. And then kind of through the pandemic, I would say I changed a lot, like when the pandemic hit, 
part of it was having my wedding be canceled and how I had had so much anxiety about like something going wrong. And then it did. And I got through it. And I got really, I got into intuitive eating. And a big piece of that is like body acceptance. Like you might gain weight, probably will gain weight. I started working with an intuitive eating coach. Eventually that wasn't like immediate, but it should have been sooner. And then I gained, I gained a lot of weight, partly because I was not doing intuitive eating, like guided by someone. Mm -hmm. But But what's the point of the guide if it's intuitive? Because there's like certain things, there's certain like elements about it that like it really, it's like therapy. It's just, you know, you, there's, it's not that there's like no rules or I don't want to say there's rules because it's kind of confusing when I say there's no rules. It's like people assume intuitive eating just means like, oh, anything I want just have it immediately. And I think, and that's kind of what the internet portrays it as. And that's what I thought it was at first too, which is partially why I gained so much weight. But someone guiding you helps you like learn how to actually get in touch with your food cues. Because it's not really just about satisfying cravings. Because once you sort of get past the feeling that like you're restricted, you then actually have no idea how to feed yourself. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't know how to feed myself um, like meals. Like I would just, I basically like didn't eat until 4 p.m. Like, cause I was always trying to like save my calories. And then, yeah, I just, over time, it's been more work on the, it's less work on the eating at this point. Cause like I can eat pretty fine now. And now it's really about like the body acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I'm really have worked a lot on just feeling like this is what I look like. I don't need to change it. I don't need to be embarrassed of it. And I feel like I've like made a lot of progress there. And it's hard, honestly. I think there's a lot of reasons that make it hard. Like, first of all, like my own wiring and then, you know, messaging. Society. Society, Instagram. It's it's challenging, but I do feel like I'm finally getting to a point where this is what I look like. I'm not going to try to like look skinny and pick. I'm not going to try to like too skinny arm yeah like there's like there's no fooling anybody at this Mm -hmm. point and then on some level it like as much as I had to sort of get rid of the training that like being heavier is worse or like fat equals bad and there were a few things that there are a few like people who like on the internet who really helped me see that and really feel it but yeah I it's now and now I feel like okay, like this is what I look like. It is, you know, and I want to be proud of that and help other people who maybe didn't like or don't like what they look like to be proud of whatever it is they look like. Yeah. Also, like you have so much confidence, and like I, I, I think that's part Aries, like yes. part <laughs> just like you know that like radical acceptance of like this is you know this is the body that like does everything for me and like that I yeah. should be grateful for. Christmas may be over, but like the lingering feelings from being around your family and things that come up around that, like they stay and it's tough. And I don't know how anyone does it alone because I would never be able to do it alone, especially in the midst of wedding planning and how much stuff comes up, like COVID things, you know, everyone getting sick, like it feeling like it's really back to an nth degree, like the anxiety is through the roof for me, at least I wake up and 
the first thought is anxiety. It's not even joy. Like it's straight up anxiety. And I'm so grateful that I have a therapist and I don't know what I would do without it. If you haven't experienced therapy yet, if anything like that you can walk away from, from this podcast, I'd hope it's that like therapy's great and everyone should try it. Talkspace is an amazing partner that we have on the podcast because it aligns with everything that I care about, which is bettering yourself and you know not having to go through it alone. Because whether you're frustrated with a relationship with your sibling, your parent, your friend, your significant other, that's what Talkspace is for. And you can set goals with your Talkspace therapist of like, okay, I want to improve this relationship or I want to be better at this at my job, whatever it is. Talkspace is the number one online therapy platform for this exact reason. There are thousands of licensed therapists available for you to match with across dozens of specialties, including anxiety, depression, relationships, and so much more. If you need a little bit of support to get you through the end of the year, we're so close. We are so close to the end and you can do it, but you don't have to do it alone. Match with the licensed therapist when you go to Talkspace.com and you can get $100 off your first month with the promo code ACME. That's $100 when you use code ACME at Talkspace.com. It's never too late to start and it's the best thing you could ever do for your mental health. Talkspace.com. Use promo code ACME. I was talking about going off birth control, but I'm not going to lie to you. I got scared to do it before the wedding. So I didn't end up doing it. And another reason that I didn't do it is because the pill club has been making my life so much easier when it comes to birth control that I haven't had the same annoyance and the same need to want to do something like I had before, which is really amazing because healthcare for women it's so unnecessarily complicated, like beyond. I can't explain to you. Like, I just got a, a bill for when I had my pneumonia. And I know this isn't just like women related, but it was out of control. Like it's crazy. Going back to healthcare for women, like it's really, you know, people, some people are still embarrassed to like buy tampons, which blows my mind. The Pill Club carries over 120 FDA approved brands. And most brands of birth control are free with insurance or Medicaid. Otherwise, the prices start as low as $7 per month without insurance. The Pill Club delivers birth control to your door for free in discreet packaging along with fun self-care gifts and goodies. Like with all of this BS going around with like abortion and, you know, people's people loving to just throw their opinion in your face, like it's enough, you know, and none of us want to hear it. What we really do want right now is to be able to access our birth control and there to not be issues. So the pill club is doing that for us. When you go to the pillclub.com slash we met at Acme, the pill club actually also is offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every single we met at Acme listener who becomes a patient. Your donation will help low-income individuals get access to birth control through bedsider.org. That's thepillclub.com slash acme, not slash we at acme. You'll get your first birth control care package and you can donate to help more women in need of affordable birth control. Thepillclub.com slash acme. You must use the link if you want to make the donation. So why not help yourself and other women? thepillclub.com slash acme. 
You did mention your mom and you like splitting journeys. What does that mean? So we could go all the way back to like my childhood. I had a very chaotic childhood. We lived with my grandparents, my mom's parents. Part of that was like money stuff. So always having like money weirdness, like it's it's weird to feel like to know I was like both at, at looking back, like knowing that I was supported by my grandparents, but that my parents were not like the financial support, mm-hmm. which is sort of weird because you grow up feeling like poor while being like in reality, you're fine. But there's so much like fear in a household where that is like the dynamic. Right. Um, and then my brother who passed away like five years ago. I'm so, so he, sorry. thank you. So he had, he had autism and my dad was very like not like around, like he was obviously they're married, but he was not a participant in the household and very just, I look now, I'm like, okay, he has mental illness. Like he struggled with a lot of things. And so my mom was my brother's like main caretaker. And I felt like very slighted by the situation. And we just had, I had a lot of tension with both my parents. And part of why I was so angry with my mom I think it's sort of like the classic case of like, why did you not protect me from having like a bad father? Like, why didn't you like divorce him or like whatever it is? And now I've been to so much therapy and my brother and my mom's parents passed away. And that, I think, really just shifted the whole family because now my parents are not together. And it's really, it's just, I don't really talk to my dad that much, like, pretty rare. Mm -hmm. But she and I are, it's like just us now. Mm. And she and I are now like really close. I now see how similar we are. Mm -hmm. And I like it because, you know, I I realized like she was just kind of doing the best she could and she didn't have the tools and she didn't have the support. And I blame her a lot less at this point. But, Mm -hmm. and I also feel like, okay, well, it's, I'm good now. So what am I mad about? Like, Mm -hmm. my life, thankfully, is, is okay. So, and I'm okay. So that's kind of like how that all played out. She must be like so proud of you. Oh, she, it's really amazing what you guys have built. I mean, she is like our biggest fan. She walks around in her like Betches (laughs) gear. I'm like, it really just looks like very obsessive. <laughs> she comments on everything. Like it's, she's she's that. adorable. She's a great mom. And yeah. so you were already with Avi when you suffered the loss of, of no, your brother? No, So that was, that was like a, we got together a year later. Okay. Like our hookup, our first mm-hmm. hookup was yeah, about hookup. a year later. Um, but I had, I knew him mm-hmm. before. I'd met him before. So yeah. um, if if you're okay talking about it, was your brother's loss like because of autism or was it something? Sort of. So it, it wasn't just, it wasn't like just that he had autism. So he developed, it's just so weird. He developed PTSD. So I don't, so kind, yes and no. So people who have autism, they're typically very routine based and not to the point of, like where we need our routine or whatever. It's like the routine is a requirement, essential. essential. And during Hurricane Sandy, we lost power for 13 days and his routine just like fell apart. And that like messed up his his life. And what basically what happened was he would get severe anxiety 
It was diagnosed as PTSD, like for real. And he would get severe anxiety and he would have seizures from just sort of, it, it wasn't necessarily clear what it was from, but the lack of routine they had found over like those years that it, it, it really messed with him. So he had an accident in our, it was actually the last day of my grandmother, Shiva. She passed away from Alzheimer's. And he had an accident in the bathroom and, like, he fell into the tub and he passed away from from that. And it was, like, the worst. It's just, like, one of those really, like, tragic things. And he was 24. And he was just, like, an awesome, just, like, kind-hearted guy. Like, just, like, a good soul. Yeah. And that was, like, that was a very you know, large event. But yeah, I mean, that was probably like that, that year where like my, between like my grandmother and my brother and then my grandfather passed away a year later. That was like. So much. It was like a tornado in the middle of my life. But I also, now I'm like, nothing could ever be as bad. Right. Right. (laughs) Which is a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you have really gone through it and like, I, so much respect for you. Thank you. Someone, so these are questions that came in for you from, um, our listeners or followers. Somebody asked, do you and your friends, I'm assuming other Betches co-founders hang out with your significant others a lot together? I mean, in terms, I mean, we do not, it's not like every, you know, we're not doing this like weekly or even monthly, but you know, we'll sometimes do, like, one-on-one, two-on-two. It really, like, depends. The other piece is that, like, our friends typically will have, like, weddings or stuff like that. So we all hang at at those situations. We don't really—we've never done, like, a three of us and husband's dinner, although we always talk about how we're going to. Um, we just—yeah. So, I mean, we we're very lucky. We have a very close-knit group of friends, and— there's a lot of opportunities for hanging out. Mm-hmm. And so you just went through a crazy process, which was freezing your eggs. Yes. And congrats that it went well. Thank I mean, that's you. amazing. And I was actually just at lunch with my friend, and we were talking about how it's not spoken about or normalized to not kind of, I don't want to say immediately have kids after you get married. But it's not really normalized to wait. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's definitely not normalized to decide not to if you can. Right. right. And so what made you and Avi decide, you know, we want to let the choice be ours and not kind of rely on um, a clock? Right. Well, the clock has always been just sort of like, I can't. I can't with this clock. So annoying. Um, it's so annoying. It is a biological reality, unfortunately. I think one thing is the fact that he's younger. Yeah. Um, a lot of his friends have kids, but he's not like, I need to rush to the suburbs and like mow the lawn. Like he's not yeah. that guy, although he would love that. Um, he would love a lawnmower, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but so we really had a lot of like, should we, shouldn't we? And I'll say just for myself, like I've gone through phases where I'm like, I want five kids and like, I want to gaggle and I want to, you know, have so like a huge family, partially because, I mean, you've now just heard like the Cliff's notes about my family and I'm sure it's not hard to tie 
into tie that to like some of my fears and mm-hmm. confusion around like right. what kind of family I want to have for us. So there's times when I've wanted like no kids and I'm like, we should just go on vacation and have like six dogs and like a huge house for the dogs and we'll just travel and do whatever the fuck we want. So there's part, there's times when we've been like, that's what we're going to do. And then I told you like, sometimes I'm like, I want a huge family of kids. And we just have been sort of like everywhere on that decision. And basically I was very, like, anti-freezing embryos. I was like, I was like, why would we spend all this money? We could just, like, get pregnant. Like, why do that? And that, but, but there's, the timeline, I, I don't want to, like, scare anyone and be like, oh, like, you have to, like, like, you're not going to be able to get pregnant past a certain time. That's not true. Plenty of people do it. It's not at all the case. So without that, I did, I do want to admit I had the clock in my head. Because mm-hmm. it's not just one, if you want to have more than one kid and you want it to be, easy and hopefully as optimally healthy as possible, and for you too, not just for the baby, you kind of want to do it on the younger side. Right. So I was very afraid like two years ago. I was like, I'll never do this. But then like I had two friends who did it for their own reasons. I saw a bunch of people on like social media who were single or not doing it. And one day we were, like, out to dinner with our friend who is single and, and like, my age and considering it. And that conversation just sort of, like, we were, like, it just hit us both at the same time. This makes sense for us because we weren't sure. Do we have one kid, two, whatever. So, basically, we started exploring it. I was slow about that. I was like, oh, the consultation. That happened. That conversation was, like, a year ago at this point. And so I was kind of slow about it. But— we went to the doctor. Things seemed fine enough that we weren't like in a rush to do it next month. So we were like, okay, let's just, you know, freeze these embryos and then we can have kids like anytime in like our later 30s. Okay. So then a few months pass, we, you know, spend some time, more time thinking about it. And then he kind of was like, I feel like we should do two kids so that he could have a sibling. And so my reaction to that was like, okay, well, that changes the timing of it. <laughs> right. And that means like you have to start sooner rather than like one kid at 38. You know, I would ideally like to be having like maybe the second kid at 38. Mm-hmm. Now we're sort of like, okay, maybe we'll just save these embryos for the second kid and maybe try to do just get pregnant on our own before. But ultimately, it was really just about giving ourselves time and taking the pressure off the decision. Like that's really. That's really why we decided to do it. And I think most of the reason, like most of the reason why people are like, why would you do that? Is because there's a stigma or an assumption that you would only need to medically intervene if you have a problem. And that again goes to the assumption that you get married and you have a baby, you don't wait, you know, you don't wait too long. Right. And you definitely have one. And especially if you're getting on the older side, like, you don't have time so to right, wait. Like, what are you doing? Why aren't you? Right. So there's this assumption that you would either like do it because you're single and you don't have like a prospect or that you would do it if you can't get pregnant. And there's not really much consideration for like the family planning aspect of it that like maybe you're not where you want to be in your career and you don't want to have a baby until you are. Like there's no sort of, no one really talks about it in that way that it's out, actually about like, oh, we're, we're actually 
controlling our lives a little bit more right. by doing it. And obviously, it's a very expensive thing. So that is clearly a privilege to be able to do. But I think that if there's more people who are just sort of like, we're doing it, like, I don't need a problem to do right. it. That makes it easier for the people who do have problems that they need to do it for. Mm -hmm. I would say, so just to anyone listening who's like curious about it, there are actually some companies that cover it, which is yes. amazing, like in their insurance yeah. plan. And then also, can you explain to us the difference between freezing an embryo versus an egg? Yeah. Um, and it's funny because we're going to talk about succession after this and they yeah. are having the same conversation. So tell us. So an embryo is, they've been freezing embryos and then using them to implant in people to get pregnant for longer than they've been doing eggs. So it's, I think, just a more, A, it's a more stable process because they don't freeze it till it has been fertilized and has grown a small amount, like a week. Right now, mine are on day four. So so we'll see how many mature fertilized eggs we get out, or uh, embryos we get out of it. So crazy and science. It's wild. <laughs> it's wild that my second child could be conceived before the first. Right. Like that's, it's what? fucking wild. And, and going through it is wild because you are looking at your uterus and your ovaries every day on an ultrasound. You set, like, it completely opened my eyes to just this whole world. But to get back to the question of embryos versus eggs, the embryo technology is just a little older. It's a little bit more stable because of the nature of what you're freezing. But egg, you know, with just the—you do the same process. The only difference is whether a guy jerks off in a cup and then they get fertilized or <laughs> yeah. not. Like, that's literally the only difference. Right. But you do the same exact process as I did for egg freezing— and then your eggs are on ice at whatever age you froze them. And depending on how many you get, and apparently if you're younger, you suppose it depends. I don't want to give any stats on that. I'm not an expert. But mm -hmm. yeah, so that's basically what it is. Mm -hmm. But if you do the embryo thing, it's you and your partner's baby yes. together. It's not your own. So if, God forbid, something were to happen and you were yes. to get a divorce and you don't have a prenup— who gets the embryo? So they are actually are consent forms that you sign right before you do it, where it's like in the event of divorce, you assign the the embryo to a partner. Or it's like in the event of like both of you don't like die or something, like yeah. who gets the embryo or you can donate it to the clinic or you can donate to science or you can donate it. You, It's, yeah, a question that started entering my head is like, what are we going to do with these extra embryos if we have them? I'm like, do you just destroy like your potential? <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. And then I then I start getting it's like, okay, well, it's not a baby. I believe in abortion. Like it's right. like, you know, it's not. not a baby. And I feel like the more I do sort of perceive them or talk about them as babies, right. I'm like You're gonna undermining my own point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's talk about succession for a second. Um, who is your favorite? So, if, by the way, if you are not a succession listener or you haven't watched the season, skip ahead. Do not. Spoiler alerts, I'm sure. Um, who is yeah. your favorite character? Ooh, that's a very hard question. Because they're all the worst. Because they're all the worst. And yeah, there's no one I like. At this moment, it's Tom. Yeah. I he's think the he's the most interesting and the most he's the only one who seems to really evolve he's the only one who evolves he's the only one who seems to have like a heart yes. that's on his sleeve yes like he loves Shiv in, in a way he's what you would typically have in like a female male abusive relationship but yeah. she 
is his abuser. She yeah. is emotionally abusive towards him. And I feel really bad for him. Look, I know he is a gold digger and wants to be, you know, at the top. And he wants to, like, sort of chain her to him with the babies or whatever. But at the same time, he, I think, is more like the product of the environment and not, like, inherently evil. I agree. I mean, everyone on the show is evil in their own way, but— And you hit the nail on the head. Like, that is an abusive relationship. I think what the show does so well, and so mm-hmm. many people hate the show, which I understand. I don't but know anyone who hates the show. Really? No, I, no, I don't. People will yeah. have strong opinions, and they'll, they'll just be like, I couldn't watch it because all the characters were so horrible to each other. But that's right. a perfect—I think what they do really well is they capture abuse within families yes. and not physical abuse, um, like verbal and emotional abuse towards one another and like when it's taken too far and I mean it's obviously the extreme of it but they capture it really well but at the same time you start the show you know in the pilot and you you hate everyone or I really hate everyone and I was like I'm never gonna like these people now where we are I'm like I not only like some of them but I actually understand exactly why they are the way they are yeah I guess the one I would say I have the most like empathy for would be Kendall for pretty obvious reasons in that he's just such a lost boy and he wants his, he desperately wants his father to just give him any inch of approval and he can't get it. And in fact, he gets like slapped, kicked, kicked away. It's so funny because yeah. I don't feel bad for him at all. I mean, maybe really? it's because he killed a guy, but. Oh, um, well, I have thoughts on that too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, if anything, the person I feel bad for the most is Shiv. Really? Yeah. Oh, Why? Because I feel like she, more than any of the kids, wants his approval so badly. And she never gets it. He, Kendall got it when he went against him, finally, you right. know? That was smile. the first time that he got a smile, that he maybe got like a phone call, whatever it was. But but Shiv has not even gotten a crumb. Yeah, I mean— I wonder, but he's he seems the most like affectionate to her. Like he has a nickname she's for the girl her, and yeah. like you know. I just wonder, like, if I'm, why doesn't she just stop trying to like be, like, why do you? That's my ultimate question about kind of all of them. I'm like, why don't you guys just like go spend your money and do whatever you want? But like, would they get their money if they left? I I'm thinking more back to before the right, show. Like right, it's right. too late now. Yeah, but I'm thinking like pre the show. I guess there would be no show. <laughs> right. But why are they all not more like Connor is, I guess, kind of my question. Yeah, they like, just, they all want a piece of the pie, like. But but Connor seems to be doing just fine in his little, like, ranch. Right. You know? He's the one with that really hot now. He's the one who's running for political. For okay, yeah. yeah. Well, there was something that you just, oh, abuse within families. Yeah. So you said that this is more extreme. I would argue that it's act the abuse itself is not more extreme. It's that their situations are higher stakes and they have more money to play with. Mm. So it's like, but I don't I don't think the words that like are said are I feel like those are run of the mill abusive words. Yeah, I mean, except from um, what's his name, the Culkin. He oh. he takes it like so so dark. And so oh far. yeah, yeah yeah. He's. He's lacking in empathy, yeah, I would say. Sure. But but I'm, I'm thinking more of like Shiv's mom being like, yeah. I shouldn't have had children. Like, uh, right, that was wild. Yeah, like I feel like I feel like that's a pretty classic line for like an abusive parent. Yeah, to I was use. like, that's nice to hear from your mom. That's yeah. so nice. Um, okay, somebody asked, 
you apparently did a TikTok about why we need to we need dating advice from less hot people. Oh, yes. <laughs> Please elaborate. Okay. I mean, you would be one of the people who are giving, you know, dating advice for hot people. Okay, here's my <laughs> here's my reasoning. And I say this from my own experience yeah. too. On the apps, I literally just like just could never like maybe I got like a hello, how are you conversation, mm-hmm. but I never got like a lot. I would get matches, but it was like nothing like there was no activity. Right. You know, it was like I would go on, swipe a little, but like I never really got like a lot of activity or tension. And in the same way, I wonder if this was like a confidence thing back in the day. And I wonder if it would be different now for me because I do feel like I have actually, I do feel more secure and confident than I did back then. But, you know, when I went to the bar with my friends, many of whom are like, you know, they're taking the hot the hot person dating advice. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like they would always be the ones who like, you know, got attention or were talking to guys. And I feel like I was just so like the average catch from afar. I think I think when you know me, I'm a much better catch than I am just on paper, like on photos or whatever. Although, whatever. I don't want to even get into my own like attractiveness. But I feel that I didn't like have enough entry points to be like given a chance. And I think that like a lot of the advice that's out there is for people who have more entry points to dating. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's easier to have fun when you're dating when you have three dates a week. Mm -hmm. But I had like two dates from a dating app, like ever, Mm -hmm. you know? And so the general like sentiment of advice that's out there applies to people who are like getting dates. Mm. And I also have a, I have a friend like this who kind of inspired me about this. Like she just also, she's like a great girl, but dating apps like just don't, she just never gets dates from them. And she also is sort of that like, guys maybe not wouldn't like pick her up in a bar Mm -hmm. or like it wouldn't be a frequent thing. So she also is like, I'll ask her like how, like, how's the situation? And she'll just be like, it is so hard to get any dates. Like I get a date every like three months. So I, I'm i trying to date, but I can't date. So I feel like there's there's no answers for that kind of person. It's like, how do you, and people say, oh, go on the ass, put yourself out there. It's like, they are, you know? Yeah. So how do you, you know, when people say dating's a numbers game, how do you Make it find more a partner numerical, if, right? Like, uh, yeah, if you can't get the numbers. How are you? I hear you, yeah. but I respectfully disagree, and I'll tell you why. I have worked with all kinds of people who look all different types of ways. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say there's like a standard hot, but like people that like you wouldn't necessarily consider hot. They're not meeting that. They're further from the beauty standard. From the beauty standard, exactly, yeah. and. I think based on how you, by the way, you are witty. Like you have got the gift of the gab or whatever they say, right? So like, I think if you thought more about that angle than like how I look angle and like, you know, on a dating app, like for example, if you're making this person like laugh and having a very like interesting conversation with them, then I think you can get more dates just from that. Like just from the, um, the banter, Like so many guys are, you know, having the same problems on these dating apps, but then like every now and then they'll get someone who banters really well and they're like ready to set the date that night. Right. But I think 
like it it probably you can get in your head about like, oh, my pictures, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, and also like people are, and this is like something that I've noticed, like women especially, like we're so picky. Like <laughs> you are the one doing the swiping. So like yeah. if you're not getting three days, like dates a week, let's say like, what are you swiping no on? Like, I'd be curious, you know? Honestly, like, I didn't feel like I was that picky on the apps. Like, mm-hmm. I wasn't... Okay, I I do 100% see your point regarding, like, the way one carries themselves and conducts outside of photos. Like, for sure. I will say at that time, I didn't have the confidence mm-hmm. to, like, see, my, see that as my greatest asset. Also, right. it was, like, 2014. I think, like, the culture was like a little bit different in terms of like how women are valued. So basically, like I just felt like I, I felt like it doesn't matter if I'm not really skinny at the, again, where I'm mid body image and I'm think, and there were times when I was like, I I can't go on a date because I'm five pounds or 10 pounds heavier than, than my lowest. And I have to wait until I'm thin enough to date. So there was that. So I had lack of body confidence. I had lack of confidence in my own, like what my real assets are. And I wonder, like, did I get some of that confidence from being with my husband, from with Avi? And he gave me so much of that confidence. Like I even think now with like all the ways that my body has changed, he's a big part of the reason why I feel a sense of self-acceptance because I don't, I don't feel like I need to hide from him. Like, he knows what I look like. And he always tells me, like, I think you're beautiful. And, like, I love you for everything, not for, like, what you look like. Or not in the way that he's, like, saying. Yeah, yeah, But you know what I mean. But I didn't have that at the time. I didn't believe also we're coming from. I'm also dealing with, like, all this family stuff. of course. So, So the totality of everything, it's not like I had— these other things to lean on and be like, I'm yeah, confident like in that area. it was a sensitive time. Right. It was a sensitive time is a sense of, you know, I'm not good enough. And like, how can I put myself out there as being, being good enough? Mm-hmm. So I also, you know, we hadn't had as much success as we've had. I wasn't hosting like podcasts and, and people were being like, oh, like you have nice opinions. Like they're right, worth it. Right, right, And yeah, I mean, I think it's, I do think a big piece of it is the confidence Mm-hmm. I also want to add a disclaimer to my thought about dating advice versus dating advice for 10s versus, I don't know, less than 10. <laughs> I do. I actually think that really only applies to like early dating. Mm-hmm. I don't think it applies to like five dates or more mm-hmm. um, or like relationships at all, because I think in that it becomes like about compatibility right. and like emotional health and not about like getting your foot in the door. Mm-hmm. But I just felt like for me, it was incredibly difficult to get my foot in the door. I hear what you're saying. And I like think it's completely valid. And like, I am definitely guilty of just like giving like one size fits all advice, you know? And it's like, I mean, I you're talking to like thousands of people. Like, right. how would you not? I, I mean, I yeah. think like, all, like dating is a numbers game, but how frustrating must that be if somebody, you know, can't get the numbers up? Like that's, yeah. that's so hard. And that's why like dating coaches and things like that are so helpful for that. But it's always going to make you feel shitty if like you're not, you know, if you're like really skinny friend is getting like all these dates a week and you're not. So like right. it's, it's hard. But I will say once you do get the foot in the door, 
the one size fits all dating advice like is applicable, I think. It's just like, yeah. it's just the getting to that point that's that can be hard. Totally. It's like if you don't have a relationship to try to work with, you can't even practice. Yeah, those you things. can't even do a rule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire poll questions. Ooh, okay. Um, okay, in the first few months of dating, they get road rage when you drive together for the first time. Is that a red flag or no big deal? Red flag. Mm. Um, Look, I get road rage is very common, but you just have to answer the question, is this a general rage thing? Was this one time? Was this... Yeah, I road rage is very dangerous. And I think that it it's not just that they like flipped out that time. It's that they have anger that is maybe anger. bubbling. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because my fiance, he doesn't get road rage, but he gets like road um, opinionated. Yeah. You know, he's like, I think that way would have been better. And I'm like, no, just sit in the car. Like, I don't want to die today. <laughs> well, road opinionated is actually quite a healthy way to communicate. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. argue. In a long-term relationship, your friend breaks off and en- you're in a long-term relationship. Your friend breaks off their engagement. Is it normal that it makes you think about your own relationship or is it a bad sign? Normal. Completely normal. I think everyone is always looking at other people and and projecting. It, it, that's just human nature. Like people look at something else and they pro- even you, the natural opinion you form is in some way a projection of, right. of your experiences, what you think about them. Like, and also no relationship is perfect. So if your friend breaks off their engagement, I think it's completely natural to be like, take stock of like, what are you concerned about in your relationship right. and then be like, you know, assess it. I think that's, I think it's totally normal. I think assess it, but I don't think be like, oh, that sounds fun. Like, oh, if I, you say, I wish I was single now too. If you know? that is your first thought, then like definitely, definitely break up. <laughs> definitely break up. <laughs> but if, I think it's very normal. Like when yeah. people get engaged, you think, when am I going to get engaged? Right. That Yeah, so, that's so normal. Yeah. You're living with your boyfriend and you get a huge raise that makes, and now you make almost double what your boyfriend makes. Do you still split rent equally or should you as the woman pay more? Mm, I I live in the in the split it equally world. Um, yeah, I don't, I think in a long-term relationship and like, look, assuming that like one person isn't like unable to pay half or if it would like significantly damage them financially, that's a different story mm-hmm. than if you're both doing fine and then like one makes extra. Like, I don't think you should be punished for making extra. Also, it is more expensive to be a woman, significantly more expensive to be a woman. Yeah. And I know this because my husband and I are very on top. Like we analyze our expenses every month. And I look and I obviously like categorize all my stuff. And I, so many of these categories, like he doesn't even have anything to put in that category. Right. Like his haircut, like you're competing with hair color, laser hair removal, right? Botox, like, and not that I have to do these things, but like, Society. but I want to, I have gray you hair. Feel good. Like, yeah, I don't want to exactly. have gray hair. Exactly. Like makeup. He doesn't have to buy any makeup. He buys like one little cream thing for his hair clothing. You need pants and a shirt. Like we need all the different items. items. Yeah. Different dress for every wedding. They wear the same suit for every wedding. Like, yeah, exactly. So especially when it's the woman who's making more, I think keep your money and um, get him a nice gift if that's his love language. (laughs) Um, Is it fine to say I love you more to significant others sometimes when they say I love you or does that send off weird vibes and bad dynamics? Hmm. 
it reminds me of like an AIM profile. <laughs> like it's mm-hmm. it's just like what's what is this a competition? Like I get why maybe like you might repeat like if your parents like if, if that was like how you talked in your family, maybe that wouldn't be a weird statement to you. But I don't think you need to say it. Like I think that like putting degrees on love, you're asking for at, you know you're asking in in like a casual interaction. I think you're asking for it's not like the right. I don't know. It's not a deal breaker. Yeah, but, but there's no reason to say I love you more when you can say I love you too. Yeah, I yeah, I can't really think of like I'm gonna tell my kids I love them more, but I don't need to tell my husband I love him more. It never even like occurred to me to like say that. Yeah, like, do I think I don't love him more? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I think it's not. It reminds me of like an aim profile. Yeah, like a aim convo. Yeah, don't do it. Yeah. Um, Sammy, this has been awesome. Do you have a piece of advice or a quote that's like one of your faves that you can leave with our listeners? Oh my gosh. Okay. I feel like the advice I always sort of give means the same thing. And I'm going to just like say it here, which is like, life will fall so much more into place when you figure out like who you are, what you're really about and like, like it and like are proud of it. And things just seem to like work with more ease when you figure out what you're about and then live in alignment with it and you aren't afraid to be to be that person that you actually are. And I think that is like a lot of the struggles that people have either with friends, like feeling uncomfortable in their friendships or in a relationship that maybe they're not sure they want to be in or at a job, whatever it is. I think like those things that occupy our headspace every day, like what's wrong here? How can I make it better? Like, like something's up. Mm-hmm. When those things are sort of like worked out and you feel like comfortable in like the decisions and the path that you're on, not to say it's going to be like bliss and perfect all the time, but you will feel more equipped for to handle things and just, I think, overall more content. Yeah, I agree with that. Thank yeah, you so much. Where can course. everyone find you, follow you? Listen to all your succession opinions (laughs) and listen to your podcast. Yeah. So I am everywhere on all the things. (laughs) Just follow me on Instagram at Sammy, on TikTok at Sammy Sage Says. I host so many podcasts. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna plug the morning announcements right now because it is my five minute solo news breakdown podcasts. I basically just like break down the headlines with opinions. So if you're, if don't be surprised when there's some snark in there <laughs> um, and strong opinions. But yeah, that is my that's my little baby that I work on every single night. And yeah, it's it's been really fun. Cool. So morning announcements. Love it. Check yeah. it out. Thank yeah. you. Hey.